so good to be, <laughs> how can you say it? It's so good to be with you. Wow. Yeah, it has been a while. Uh, March 16th, <clears throat> I was finishing a trip up into Minneapolis, and I was getting ready to get on a Southwest flight, and there was only four of us on the flight. That was the best flight. I mean, we just laid over the seats, and little did I know that when I landed in Kansas City, the world was going to go wild. And within one week, we were all shut down in our house, and I got in a fetal position and started sucking my thumb, and then after a couple of days of that, thought, well, I better start acting like a Christian again, and so I wanted to share something with you real quick. Take your Bibles, go with me to Luke chapter 11, as I'm sharing this with you. Luke chapter 11, verse 12 is where we're going to be this evening. So there's two kingdoms right now demonstrating their influence, authority, and power on the earth, kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan or we'd say the kingdom of this age. So, you know, when you turn on the regular news, you get a lot of bad information. I got so tired of the bad information, I just said, what is the Lord doing during this time? So the last, I only kept up with four ministries, but just four different ministries had reported that they had seen over 217,000 people come to the Lord over the last couple months. And you know the whole thing with the George Floyd thing? Well, I don't know if you guys knew this. Um, I know someone in the city council up in the Minneapolis area, uh, actually several representatives and also council members of different towns. And um, where he was died, Christians have shown up there and have started nightly meetings. And they've said they've led hundreds of people every night to the Lord. They have a baptismal thing sitting in the middle of the city. They baptize people every night. Hundreds of people get healed. God is using that. It's not ever talked about in the news, but it's being used every night as a revival center for the Lord to bring the city to the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? And see, if you you only watch one kingdom tell you what's going on in the world, we're all about to see the end of destruction. But if you kind of get to take a chance to see what the kingdom of God is doing, God has never stopped being who he is. And he's always working, even if they try to put us in our house. All right, Luke chapter 11, verse 12 through 14. Uh, Lord, we just ask that you would honor your word this evening as we look at it. Speak to us clearly. We just want to honor and bless your name. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. It's actually an interesting passage because this is the passage I read when I was an art college student in Denver, Colorado, reading the Bible, not knowing the Lord. And this is the scripture the Lord brought to me. And this is the scripture he used to ask me to ask for the Holy Spirit. And when I did, that's when I came into the kingdom. So let's look at the passage. Or if you ask for eggs, he will not give you a scorpion, scorpion, will he? If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts. Now, we're talking about the Holy Spirit tonight, specifically the gifts of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit. I know that you probably have read this many times, but pay attention to the term here. If you know how to give good, it doesn't say gift. It said good gifts, plural form. It's very important to the rest of the passage. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit who asked for him? Now, interesting enough here, it's telling you that even though we're evil, we give good gifts to our children and it uses the plural form of that word gift. And then it's tying it to God and it's saying, well, here's who God is. God's going to give you the best gift. The way this word is actually used, 
the Holy Spirit here is it's a gift that is given. It shows favor from the gift. And it's residential from this point on. But what's interesting is it describes it as a constant asking for it. You can keep asking for the Holy Spirit. You don't have to ask for it once. You can ask for it every time you need God to do something. That is his good gift in every situation of your life. It is the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, why is this so important? Because when we start looking at the Holy Spirit and how it is presented in Scripture... This is, who, this is God who is with us now. We, we have the Father and the Son in heaven. Who, who of the Godhead is with us now? The Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And when we are given this gift, we are brought into a new kingdom, and the Holy Spirit is now going to explain his activity to you and I. And most people, depending on what part of Christianity you look at, they focus on certain aspects of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, what he does, and they forget whole sections of other things the Holy Spirit wants to do. So a lot of people take this passage and say, see right here, we see that you can get saved and you're sealed with the power of the Holy Spirit for salvation. And that's actually true, but that's not the only thing the Holy Spirit is doing. He has come to take up residency and now express who God is in us and through us and magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have to be like Jesus. Not just in salvation, but how we live our lives. And the Holy Spirit showed up in power in Jesus' life. Guess what has been given to us? The Holy Spirit and power in our lives. We have been given the gift of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we come to the idea of gifts, I just want to be very, in, uh, very practical before we go into how to apply this into our lives. When we look at the idea of giftedness in Scripture, it's really interesting. It re- it, reflects the Trinity. I don't know if you've ever heard this statement, but giftedness reflects the Trinitarian view of the, of the Lord. What do we mean by that? We have the gifts of the Father, gifts of the sons, and gifts of the Holy Spirit. It is to show us that the Trinity is not only a correct biblical doctrine, but the whole Trinity works with us in giftedness. God is, is saying it this, God has made himself fully available to you, to do everything he's called you to do. In fact, what you lack, he will give you by his very presence. So the gifts of God the Father come to us in Romans chapter 12. And if you want to write it down or look at it, please do that. It tells you in Romans chapter 12, in view of God's great mercy, offer yourself back to him as a living sacrifice, which is holy and pleasing in his sight. And it's using that, and then it starts describing gifts. So what categories of gifts are those? Well, we find out in the Old Testament that is God the Father has given us gifts in all of humanity because it's a reflection of us being created in the image of God. So here in Romans 12, everyone is given motivational gifts. That's what these gifts are. And in Romans chapter 12, it says, offer yourself back to God with these gifts because everybody has them redeemed or unredeemed. So this is when you can look at a person made in the image of God and they can minister in compassion and serving and leadership and prophecy and teaching without knowing the Lord Jesus Christ because they reflect the very image of God inside of them even though they're not redeemed. So in this passage, it's saying, since God is the father of all spirits that he's created, he gives himself, his imprint is on people, 
giftedness does not come from chemical reactions. It comes from the reflection of the nature of God in a person. So everyone is gifted with motivation. Have any of you ever had a chance to study motivational gifts? Can you just kind of wave at me? Here's the funny thing in the body of Christ. When I started studying motivational gifts, I realized why the body of Christ fights so much. Because if you get someone that has a motivational gift of teaching, prophecy, and compassion in the room, they see scripture differently according to the motivation that God has given them. And they actually think everyone else sees it that way, and that's why they fight with each other, because they're like, can't you see this? Where's your compassion? Prophetic person says, can't you see this? We're to be righteous in a situation. A teacher shows up and he says, can't you see this? If you just study the scripture, you get it. Do you guys get it? Each group has a motivation. They feel it deeply, and they can't figure out why the body of Christ can't figure it out. And they always believe everyone else is immature because if they saw things the way they saw it, they'd stop playing the games they're playing. That just shows they're, they're speaking out of their motivation. This is why the Bible tells you to live in wisdom with each other. Figure out each other's motivation so when you're having conversations with each other, you understand, oh, you're motivated by compassion. So that's why you see it that way. By the way, your motivation isn't a complete gift. It is a portion of the nature of God. That's why we have to be the body of Christ. I have to have prophetic people around me and teachers and leaders and people with compassion because my motivational gifts isn't complete. I have to learn how to be the other parts of that by being around other people. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, we have the gifts of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what's interesting about these gifts I don't know if you ever saw it, but in in Ephesians chapter 4 specifically, they're called the triumphant gifts of the Lord Jesus Christ. So they they use this whole uh, passage of the Roman Empire that when generals would go into cities, they would capture the the royal family, they'd strip them naked, they would tie them up, and they'd parade them back back to the emperor and show shame on them And then they would plunder their treasury, put them all in carts, and as they would go through the city, here's all these uh, former leaders stripped bare, tied up, and led in a procession. And just because you were a citizen in the kingdom, people would stand in the carts and just throw out treasures because it was common for the citizens of the kingdom. Now you're going, well, how does that have to do with giftedness? Well, it's a triumphal thing. So you guys ready? Every time Jesus calls someone to be a a teacher or a shepherd or an evangelist or a, a, a prophet or an apostle, he's telling the body of Christ one thing. I've defeated the enemy in your life, and every time they stand up and minister to you, I'm trying to declare something beyond what they're saying to you. You're victorious. You're in my kingdom. And every time you see them stand up and they do whatever I call them to do to equip you to be like my son... I'm telling you a greater message, and the greater message is, I've stripped the enemy of all his power. He has no authority over you. It's a triumphal giftedness. By the way, every table, as an example, every table has legs that hold it up. In Ephesians 4, the gifts of the Lord Jesus Christ are what? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What are they? They're the legs. They're the legs that Jesus has used. The focus of the passage in the Greek New Testament is the Christian. So Jesus has a view of what a Christian is. So what is a Christian in Ephesians chapter 4? They have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers equip them with the gifts that they've been called to equip them so that a Christian 
functions in the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelistic, the pastoral, and the teaching so that they can do the work of the harvest. That's the purpose. They're not to, you guys get it? Jesus didn't call me so I could get the tape of the month and have people follow me around the planet. He called me to equip you. You have to be equipped. In fact, if you get a call like that, you get to be the servant of everybody, and your goal is to make sure they reach what a Christian is. That's the focus of what Jesus has called us to. Now, the one that most people like, and this is where we're going to get to, is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now we see the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Something that I'm sure you guys have looked at many times, but I want to make sure that um, we clarify this. In the Greek New Testament, it doesn't say spiritual gifts. It says spirituals. To each one of us is given spirituals. Now, what's interesting is everyone says, well, and by the way, it's not charisma. That's not the word that's even used there. Spiritual actually means spiritual manifestation. So think about this. You're trying to describe a person that you cannot see that takes up residency inside of you. He's the gift. He's the gift. And Paul is trying to say, so since he lives inside of you, how is he going to minister through you so you can actually recognize him? Well, he's going to give you wisdom and knowledge. He's going to give you discernment. He's going to release faith, faith healing, and miracles. He's going to have you speak. And sometimes you're going to speak in a language you don't know, or you're going to interpret a language you don't know, or you're going to speak his heart in a language that everyone understands. He's saying, I'm giving these categories so you can understand that person doing what he's doing inside of you because he's the residential gift you get forever. Now, this is the interesting thing about true gifts of the Lord and false gifted in Scripture, just so you have this before we go on with the passage. A false gift, you guys ready? Anyone can plug it into the spiritual realm. A false gift is ministering like a true spiritual gift, but it doesn't have any relationship to the lordship of Jesus. So I can false prophesy out of a demonic spirit. How can I do that? How can prophecy work like that? Because I can plug into the wrong spirit and prophesy. So Christianity puts a barrier and says falseness has to do with who you're doing it in and through. So true gift is through the Holy Spirit. False gift is any other gift. It could be out of your own soul or it could be out of a demonic spirit. They can do the sa- it can look the same, but the spirit is what you have to test in a way. The spirit. All right. Just so you understand, the word uh, manifestations means it's like a shining of a light. The Holy Spirit wants to shine his light upon you and I. Now, how many gifts of the Spirit? I used to love doing this. I don't know if you guys ever did this. When I was first brought around the gifts of the Spirit, I actually sat in a room and we studied it. Have you guys ever done that one in 1 Corinthians chapter 12? And you take the test and you look at it and you think, well, I don't think I have any of these. Because uh, they say, well, have you ever done a miracle or have you ever seen healing? And when I first started, I mean, I I never thought I'd heard the Lord. I'd never seen a healing. I don't think God had ever given me a message. And so I asked, is there another category of gifts like shoemaking shoe or buying groceries or something? Like and the problem is, is you can't try to figure out if you have a residential gift because that's not what that's talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's saying the residential gift is the Holy Spirit. And when you and I gather in his name, he says, this week you get to do this. And you get to do this. By the way, this, this idea there are nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Like we, you have one and that person has another. And so we have to sit in cluster groups. 
Like, where's the word of knowledge guy tonight? Let's find the faith dude and let's come and, that, that's silliness also. You're given the manifestation, all the ones you need to do whatever Jesus wants you to do in a situation. So if I need a word of knowledge and faith to do a miracle, God releases all of it in me. He just says, I want you to recognize the flow. I think that's good too. So you get to function in all nine gifts of the Holy Spirit because you have the Holy Spirit. In fact, I'm sure you guys have already done all of them without realizing it. If there's one you haven't done, you need to go to the Holy Spirit and go, let's go. The, the group I uh, was first brought into in Christianity, they hated the gift of tongues. I mean, they just hated it. They said it was of the devil. And so that was the hardest one for me to get a breakthrough in because I loved the group I was in. And so I struggled with it. And, and so Guys, could you imagine, I'm functioning in every other one of these manifestations of the Holy Spirit, but I can't speak. I can even interpret tongues, but I couldn't speak in tongues. Because I had this really weird hang-up about it, because I was taught wrong doctrine. It's amazing how hard it is to break people out of wrong doctrine and get them functioning. It's better that they don't have any knowledge about it at all. And so that was the hardest gift for me. And once I did it, I remember thinking, wow, that was so easy. What was the hang-up? Well, the hang-up is wrong doctrine. All right. So when it comes to giftedness, what I'm going to do is I'm going to move into something a little bit different this evening. I'm going to spend the rest of my time here. I'm going to talk to you about how to move in authority. Because it's not enough for you to have the knowledge of the gifts if you don't use them. If you don't use the gifts, they are not taken away from you. They just become dormant. It's like exercising anything. You have to exercise it. Now, this is the part, uh, guys, since I've been in hiding for three months, I've decided I'm just not going to beat around the bush anymore about certain things. <laughs> All right? I, I, after being locked up, I just thought, you know, that's, that's it. I'm going to just be honest with everybody about stuff. Stop trying to make sure I don't upset everybody all the time. And so there are certain parts of the body of Christ that say silly things about the Holy Spirit and his ministry and the gifts of the Spirit. And the reason they say that is because they've never exercised it, so they don't understand it. There are certain things that you have to walk in and experience before you can say, I actually know what that means. And lo and behold, the first 10 years of me doing the ministry that the Lord sent me out to do to serve in Plumline, he kept sending me to mainline churches, and I'd always have to have a discussion with them about the gifts. And we would, have, we would literally parse the Greece, uh, Greek, study church history, look at powerful people, and yet no one ever did anything. It was only until they saw the demonstration of the gift, and they had to learn to start functioning it until their eyes got open to it. So you guys ready? I, I'm going to teach on this this evening, but if you don't step into this, you're just going to hear something, and it's going to go out of your head until you put it into practice. So... Would you guys turn with me to Matthew chapter 10, and we're going to start this. So what is Jesus, is this amazing? What is Jesus actually, here we are, you guys accepted Jesus, I did. I was never told this. I thought Jesus called me to come and sit in a room to hear really cool stories about him all the time. I never, and actually when this information got across to me, I remember the first thing I actually felt was intimidation, and then the second thing I felt was a fear because I actually realized I had to get out of my comfort zone to love people. 
And it's easy. Have you guys recognized it's easier to actually point at people, tell them everything they do wrong, than actually to love them to a better place? I mean, it is, isn't it? It's, it's really easy to criticize. And so the Lord started bringing me to certain passages and, and having conversations with me about them. And the first one here is in Matthew chapter 10. So there are three main passages in the New Testament where Jesus is calling people to serve him, to represent him. And what's interesting is he starts with 12, then he moves to 70, and then he moves to the whole entire world. Matthew chapter 10 is the first one. So he calls the 12 disciples together and he says to them, Now as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of God is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. You know, I I think if we just do that, we'll be busy enough the rest of our lives. We don't even have to worry about going to another nation or another city or anything. If we just, kingdom of God. Now this statement here, kingdom of God is at hand. Do you see where we say this? Jesus told them to preach the gospel and then ask people, well, what's the gospel? And then everybody tells a different story. Please don't miss miss this. The, The idea of the gospel wasn't just Jesus saves you. The gospel was the kingdom of God is available now. That's the good news. Why is that good news now? Because what's going on in heaven right now It's great. And we're all waiting to die to get there. Can't wait till I get there. Well, he's saying, well, everything that's going on up there right now, he'll let it happen right now while you're walking on the planet. He'll express heaven on earth through you. And every area that thinks it it has authority over you, he lets it challenge you. He lets you challenge it. All right. So you guys ready? Satan thinks he can intimidate you by disease. And so Jesus says, go after it. I want to show you, you have authority over it. Take it on. Satan thinks that he can put incurable diseases. That's what leprosy is. Incurable diseases that no one has an answer to. He says, take it on. That doesn't have authority over you. There's none of that going on in heaven. Show that it can actually happen on this earth. Next one is this. This is really fun. I think it's applicable to what we're talking about right now. Everyone's afraid of death. Afraid of death. Jesus says, take it on. Start, Start raising people from the dead. Now, do you think you'd be afraid of death if you could raise people from the dead? You say, where's the next dead person? Now, this should, this should be bugging you because it's intentionally to bug you. Jesus is wanting to bug you with this, all right? And then I think the easiest one, now most people don't agree with this, he said, hey, demons are actually messing up people's lives, so drive them out. Um, I don't know if you guys enjoy doing that. Um, I think this is a good time to stop and, and share a little story. So when the Lord started introducing, hey, Brian, I want you to move in the power of the Holy Spirit, I remember saying, yeah, that's great. And so my goal was, I want to do it my way. Have you guys ever done that? Here God creates everything. He actually holds a breath of life in his hands. I'm his creation, and I'm telling him, I think this is how you should run the universe. You guys ever do that kind of stuff? And so I was telling him, well, I want to heal the sick. 
Let's start with that. And let's pick something really easy like runny noses. Give me someone that has a runny, and I'll practice. So, you know, in Psalms, I think it's Psalms 2, it says God sits up in heaven and laughs. I'm pretty sure God has had just comedy hours watching me be a, uh, trying to be a functional Christian. Because he probably just sits there and goes, that's not the best way to do that. And so they just laugh. And then let's, let's introduce Brian into what this is really about. So I'm trying to find runny noses and headaches and start praying for him. And about four months into knowing the Lord, all of a sudden, out of the blue. I mean, you could tell how God runs the universe. This person manifests a demon in front of me. I remember, th- <laughs> I remember thinking really stupid thoughts like they're only in Africa and, um, <clears throat> or if they are in the United States, they would be in California. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> and so this wasn't, this wasn't me thinking it was a demon. The person literally manifested a demon, choked, was choking the person to where they were turning blue. And, and they, they didn't know how to contain it, if you can imagine. And they run out in the little of the yard, pass out on the ground, and me and this other person have to run, and I'm getting on-the-job training on how to break its power and command it to leave. So that works. That happens that night, and I think, God, I hope I never have to do that again. And then the next week, another person manifests a demon. In fact, it got, and I was living in Colorado Springs at the time. I thought Colorado Springs was infested with demons. Because <laughs> all of a sudden, everywhere I went, I'm not kidding. For three months straight, everyone started manifesting demons, and it got really bad because it wasn't just non-believers. All of a sudden, Christians were manifesting demons. Now, you get to teach on the theology of that later on, okay? Can demons be, it's not demon-possessed, demonized. Can Christians be demonized? Yes, demons harass Christians too. And so, I actually said, well, I'll go, I, my, I grew up in Pueblo, Colorado, so I got sick of constantly driving out demons, so I said, I think I'll just go back home for the weekend and just get away from this. So I go back home to my wife's, my, my mother-in-law's house, and I, wa- I, I am so wanting to just watch a sh- anything on television, this is before cable or anything, they had some stupid show about bass fishing. And I thought, thank God, at least I don't have to drive out, out a demon. So I'm sitting there watching this show on basses. <laughs> and this person comes in the door and wants to argue with me about Christianity and Jehovah Witnesses. And we're arguing, and I'm doing my thing. And I said, you know what, I'm tired of talking about this. I'm going to invite a person into the room, and he's going to settle it. I said, Holy Spirit, come right now. Now, I don't, I don't know what I thought was going to happen when that happened. But I knew if he showed up in power, that would solve the problem. Now, I had a group of people around me when this discussion was going on. The minute I said, now, Holy Spirit, come in power, all of a sudden, I mean, it was almost like, the only way I know how to describe it is if you ever sit back and watch, or watch an avalanche on television, you hear this sound that sounds like a massive rumble of power. All of a sudden, we went from this really calm room to the room exploding. Literally. I'm not going to tell the, rest, tell the whole story. Just someone manifested a demon, screamed at the top of their lungs. Three of us had to go tackle them on the ground. And for the next 11 hours, I had to drive out. I had to drive out more than 10 demons out of a person. 
And they all manifested. They all had, they changed the room atmosphere. They choked the person. They threatened to kill me. I mean, it was just, and I, and I was like, I can't believe I am just so sick of driving out demons. Okay. Why am I telling you that story? Well, it's because all of us have a learning curve, but also you have the authority over this. Now, you're being lied to all the time by the culture. Oh, Christians, they don't have power. You have power. The Satan and demons are so afraid of you. It's, if you ever get to experience it, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, so one person says amen. All right, so, so let me show you that. I'm going to take you to Luke chapter 10, verse 19. It tells us this. Can you imagine Jesus sends them out, they're doing miracles, and they're not, they're not fascinated by that. They're fascinated they can drive out demons. It says this, Behold, I have given you authority, here we are, to trample on serpents and scorpions. Over the power of the enemy, nothing by any means shall hurt you. Now, guess what? Do you know how you're going to learn that the enemy can't hurt you? He's going to test you. <laughs> How many of you believe you actually have angels around you and they're actually protecting you all the time? Okay, now we say, theologically, I understand that, but do you think you'd ever see an interaction with angels and demons in front of you and everyone could actually observe it? Do you guys think that's possible? Two people. All right, good. I was in California at an Asian church, and I never realized this, in the Asian community, they advertise everywhere, even in occult centers, that a Christian minister is coming. So I'm in this packed room with all these Asians in San Jose, California. They're wanting me to teach on the voice of God. I'm finishing the first morning session on the steps of recognizing the voice of the Lord, and a lady about the fourth row uh, in the aisle stands up and screams at the top of her lungs and starts rushing me which I think is an appropriate response when you're teaching on the voice of God. So the elders tackled her. This is in front of her, everyone's watching this. They tackle her and they take her out the back doors, just like this door's right here, but the back doors had windows in them. And so, you know, I mean, she's making a lot of noise. She's screaming and yelling, ah, I've got to kill him. I said, why is this all these threats on my life? Anyways, they go out the back door and I'm looking at the pastor, I'm, do you want me to finish? And she goes, oh no, just keep going. So I'm teaching. Okay, principle number two. And we're just kind of going over the notes. And every few moments, I'd hear this bang. And I'd look in the window, and I would see her running by, and the elders chasing her, and then they would slam into a wall. And that was the sound. <laughs> this has to be real, because you can't make this stuff up. And so I'm teaching, and we'd hear this boom. We'd hear this thud. And then I'd like to pat, you want me to keep, yeah, just, just ignore it, Brian, just finish. And so I'm, boom, and I'd hear this thud, 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 thud. And it was just getting louder, and there's screaming going on, and I'm, I'm yelling now. Point five. <laughs> Finally, she busts, she busts through the door again. And she's far enough ahead of the elders that I realize from where she's at to the stage, she's going to make it to me this time. And, and I'm looking at her. And I realized that, have you ever seen that look? That, I mean, some of you are giving it to me right now. That look, I'm going to kill you. She actually has that look on her face like, I'm going to kill you. And, I, and I'm looking at her and I'm sitting there. Now think how stupid this is. I'm watching her run to me and I'm trying to think, should I, since I knew karate, should I block her punch or should I let her punch me? I'm actually trying to figure that out. Is that stupid? And she's running towards the stage. 
She gets to where the second row is. I'm standing there and I thought, okay, I'll let her take a swing at me, but I'm not going to let her connect. I'll, I'll, just move my, I'll just move out of the way. And that's what I, I'm determining. This. I mean, isn't this just a stupid thing to be thinking? She gets about two feet away. I mean, she's about to start making, a, I'm up on a stage and she's about to start making a lunge up the stage. And guys, all of us saw this. Everyone in the room's watching her because they're all standing up watching her rush me. Some, this power comes from who knows where, so the presence of the Lord. He knocks her legs out from under her, and I don't mean she fell forward and it looked like she tripped. She was standing parallel. Her legs went out from under her, and she slammed on the ground with no one touching her. I've never seen anything like that in my entire life. <laughs> She's rolling around, writhing, literally. Demons are tearing at her and stuff. And I finally, I said, like the pastor, do you want me to quit now? And she said, yeah, I think we need to wrap it up. So um, I said, okay, so we're done. Go eat lunch. And, I'm, and the elders are all looking at me and we're, oh, we don't know what to do. And I thought, oh, no, not again. I have to do this again. So I, through lunch, I'm taking her through. She's a witch, practicing witch. Now we're having to drive out a bunch of demons out of her. Boy, by the time she got up, you know, we never tell these because we don't think it's that funny, but it's kind of funny. She had a dress on. By the time she got up, all her clothes had moved over here, and it looked like she had gone through a wrestling match. I mean, she just looked like she had been mauled. Now, the good thing is, is all the demons were driven out of her. She received the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior and started going through healing just while we were working with her on the floor. Now, you guys ready? That, that's no credit to me. That's what all of us get to do. So, you guys, Jesus sent them out to do this. So I know that you guys think this way, right? So when I go to the grocery store, I'm looking to see who Jesus wants to minister to, and I'm ready to engage him at any level at the grocery store. So if he wants to give him a word, he wants to heal him, he wants to drive out a demon, we'll just do it all right there in the grocery store. It's actually a lot of fun. Shopping's a lot of fun if you look at it that way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, Brian, sure. All right, let's keep moving on. Let's look at some other passages. Would you guys look at with me at Acts chapter 1, verse 8? So, if God has called us to do this, we have now got to work through how power and authority work in the kingdom of God. How does power and authority work in the kingdom of God? Well, the first thing you need to know is what kind of power has been given to you to do what Jesus has called you to do? What, what kind of power? So here in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you should be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So God has promised you his power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm sure you've had this said to you before, but I just, I really want to emphasize it. It didn't say you were just given the Holy Spirit. He's residential and now he's taken a nap. He's there to demonstrate power. I find this fascinating that the God of the universe has decided to represent him properly through you and me by demonstrating power through us. See, when we were originally created by God, we were to be his representative on the planet. So the way God was in heaven is the way we were to be on this earth. And God functions in power. And you're creating his image to have power in you and work through you. Not just physical power, but the spirit realm power. So, let's keep looking at it. 
So we've been given power, so let's work through the idea. Let's start now working through authority. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. How many of you have been taught biblical faith? That's going to be interesting because depending on what group you hang out with, they all have different understandings of it. I'm not going to go into the four categories, but I want to say this. Faith is not the only factor in releasing the kingdom. Most people think it is. I'd actually say faith is the key to turn the engine on. If you don't turn the engine on, you can't move authority or power. So faith is the key that God gives you. Some people believe that they have to demonstrate great faith. But you guys ready? You can have all the faith you want, but if you don't know how to move in authority, nothing's going to come from it. So the word authority is actually found in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, and it actually means several things. The power of choice, the liberty to do something, and the ability to bring something about. So the power of authority is the influence and the right to do it. God has given you the right to do this. So I'm, people are always asking me that. I think it's a funny question. If I'm not anointed, can I go pray for a person? It has nothing to do with anointing. It has to do with authority. You know, do, you, do you hang around charismatics always saying, well, I didn't feel anointed when I saw the problem, so I didn't go pray for him. But the Bible doesn't put it on, if you feel the anointing, it puts it on your authority. So the Bible is telling you, 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 ha- you don't have to ask God if you have the right to do it. It's God conferring on you. He said, all right, Anything that has to do with the kingdom of darkness, anything that has to do with people being diseased or or having things they can't get over or dying or the gospel being preached to them or anything that demons want to do, you don't have to wait and try to figure out what my will is. I've told you, you have authority to deal with it. So you, you don't have to ask, should I minister to that person? It should, it should be, how should I minister to that person? It's not, should I minister to him? So that's different than the power to do it. If God has given you the authority to do it, and you recognize that you have been put in that position to do it, it doesn't matter if you feel good, you don't feel good, you feel anointed, you don't feel anointed, this is your authority. It, you understand this in the natural realm. If I said to you, now that's your house, do whatever you want with it, whatever you do in that house from that point on, you have the authority to do that. It's your authority. Well, now Jesus has said in the arena of the spiritual realm, I've given you authority in all these areas. Now, I'm, I'm, uh, when the first of the year started, I didn't realize we were going to do all this stuff of hiding in caves and talking about disease and all this other stuff. The Lord started talking to me about authority at the beginning of the year. He said, this is what you're going to focus on, and you're going to spend your time. And I'm just like, wow. And as I've been just kind of digging into the authority of the Lord, I'm starting to realize we, you guys, we just let literally the world and the enemy just run over areas that they have no authority in, and they'll go attack it if you won't exercise your authority. And then you'll think, I don't have authority because they've possessed it. Now, evil people, evil beings, always challenge authority. Evil people and evil beings always challenge authority. Because they believe 
If you're not going to exercise your authority, they're going to steal it from you. So as believers, it's our job to actually learn it. So now let's talk about the difference between power and authority. Faith and authority are the two things. It's like starting an engine. Once I turn it over, now I have the authority to drive. The third key is to understand how power works. So I turn it on with faith. Now I move towards a goal. Now I have to understand there has to be release of power. Now, this is kind of fun. There has to be a release of a greater power to diminish a lesser power. And so anytime God shows up, he's exerting a greater power to do something. Um, I don't have time to talk about this tonight, but how many of you prayed one time for a person and they got healed, and then you prayed for another person, you had to pray like three times and then they got healed, and then you have other people, you're praying 27 times, you're like, why are they not getting healed? Because each one of them is the idea of different levels of power have to be released in a certain situation. So healing a runny nose, I might have to pray once because that's a certain level of power to do that. If someone has a broken leg, another level of power has to be released, so I have to, might have to pray. And the Bible actually talks about this thing called accumulating enough faith exercising enough authority so the exertion of power is released into a situation that wins it. And sometimes it doesn't happen once. You have to accumulate it. So the Greek word for power, Acts 1.8, that we looked at is dunamis. Everyone probably already knows that, but it's interesting. It has three meanings, strength, power, and ability. So, how many of you have ever prayed for a sick person with no power? What happens? They don't get any better. So, the idea is if someone's sick in front of me, I have the authority of it, but if I don't mix that with power, it doesn't matter how much authority I say I possess, until power is demonstrated, no authority is being exerted in a situation. I probably should have said this right up front, don't want to add more to it, but when we talk about authority, there are two types in Scripture. There's positional authority, and there's exercised authority. We're talking about exercised authority. You have to exercise it. So how do I exercise authority? I get power in the situation, and then I release it to cause and effect. Now, the, the passage I gave you in Luke, I think it was Luke 11. I want to make sure that's what I started with, Luke 11. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit. When I walk into a situation and only he has the power to convert people, heal people, raise people from the dead, and cure incurable diseases, I have to call on him to bring his power. And then he leads me on how to exercise authority. It's always in relationship. And there, there is some kind of goofy teaching out there that if you learn your authority, you don't need the Holy Spirit to show up. You guys ready? If you don't want anything to happen and you think you have your own personal authority just because you understand it in the Word of God, if the Holy Spirit doesn't show up, you're not going to do any of the works of Jesus. The works of Jesus are connected with the Holy Spirit. You cannot exercise biblical authority unless He shows up. So one of the best prayers I was ever taught my whole Christian life was, come Holy Spirit. 
Because if he doesn't show up in power, I'm going to do a lot of crying, screaming, pouring oil on people, and telling them they don't have enough faith until his power shows up. So instead of doing all that and putting all kinds of pressure on everybody, I need to connect the two. When power shows up, now it's time to exercise authority, but it's proper biblical authority. It's not, I, now the power shows up and I do whatever I want. It's the power shows up and he leads me and that's why it works because I'm under his authority. That's how authority works. So when I walk in a situation, when someone needs a breakthrough, I don't try to figure out how to exert more authority. I try to learn how to come into more submission while power's there so I can connect so that the person can be released. And you guys, how many of you experienced this? You, you've just cried over a person, God, would you just do something and nothing happens. And then other times you're barely functional and you say, Holy Spirit comes and the person gets healed before you even get to exercise authority because God shows up in so much power. I always like telling this one. I was in Africa and before the meeting started, the Lord said, well, I, isn't this funny? He said, I brought you here uh, not to actually do any ministry. I just brought you here so you could watch me show up in power. I thought, so I flew 25 hours to do this? Just watch you show up in power? <laughs> what a lesson I learned. So the Lord says, I'm in the middle of doing a message. He says, now stop teaching. He says, I want to heal people now. I said, okay, well, what does that look like? And he says, well, what that looks like is ask anybody that's crippled to stand up and come forward. So remember, submission. Hey, if you're crippled, think what I just said to him. If you're crippled, make your way up here. <laughs> so they're crippled. They're, they're standing up and they're trying to hobble to get to me. I'm standing there and I'm like, now what do you want to do? And he said, now all I want you to do, remember, authority is by listening to the person that knows how to do this. What do you want me to do here? He said, now just invite my power. I said, Holy Spirit, would you just come right now in power? I go to the first person to pray for him. What's wrong with you? Well, my foot hasn't worked properly for 10 years. I'm trying to get down there to pray for it, but before I could, the Holy Spirit shook him violently, and he got healed. I said, well, what's going on? He goes, I'm healed. I thought, God, I love when this works right. (laughs) The rest of the day, guys, I just stood there. I tried to catch up to try to take credit, but I couldn't take any credit for it because before I'd move to the next person, the, the power of the Lord would come on him and heal him. And you guys, stuff that I've been long, crippled people, blind people, people that were deaf. I mean, one time we prayed for a kid that was born deaf and Jesus healed him. Now, you guys ready? When God's power shows up, he can do all those things. You just have to learn how to move in authority. When his power shows up, don't disconnect the two. You need to become passionate about how to draw the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit into situations. He can solve any issue. He can raise people from the dead. There's nothing that can stand in his way. Nothing. So, what does that look like? It looks like what Jesus was modeling to you and I. Always saying, what are you doing in this situation, Father? What's your hand in the middle of here? What is the Father doing? What What am I seeing him do? Um, What's your name? Dan, would you stand for a moment, please? So, 
just to show you how this works. Uh, before the meeting, I just sat there and I said, so like, what's on your heart, Father? And I just kind of watched the Lord walk over to Dan. And I said, well, what's going on with him? And he said, well, share this with him. So Dan, I saw you actually walking on a path. And the Lord said that, um, I actually watched you walk up to a table. And when you walked up to the table, there was this bag of money there. And I looked at that and I said, well, what does that represent? The Lord said, well, that has to do with business favor. That God is going to be bringing favor on you in whatever business you're a part of. And it's because of a vision that he's called you to. Because once I saw him give you favor in that, I actually, I actually saw him walk you down the road and say, it's time to expand your vision. So does that make sense to you? <laughs> okay, so God's going to expand your vision. And he wanted me to tell you this. He wants to commend you in front of everybody here. You have been faithful with little, so God is going to make you faithful with much because you've been, it's okay, that's just God loving you. Uh, you've been pleasing in your father's sight, Okay. Um, he, he's told you that the way that people have talked to you in the past, that is not the way he sees you. You're a man of honor. You've spent the years being noble before the Lord in a quiet place, and that's because God has called you to be in a governmental place where people are compromised, and you won't be compromised because you've learned to be faithful with the Lord in the simple things. And so God's going to put you in a high place to represent him to actually governmental leaders. And so, Lord, I just ask that that blessing would come on Dan right now in the name of Jesus. Now, see, while I'm sitting here sharing this with him, I can feel the power of God, not only with me, but I can watch him just, see, whether he's crying or not, I can sense the power of God's love. See, that's how God's power works. It's a demonstration of his love. Does that that help you, Dan? Yeah, you're bad. Bless you, buddy. Um, this woman right here, you ha- yes, what's your name? Morgan. Morgan, would you stand, please? Okay, so um, Holy Spirit, come and bring your power to Morgan right now. So while I was watching the Lord talk to him, then I watched the Holy Spirit walk over to her, and he said, no, nah, I brought her. So he told me this. I thought it was kind of cute. He said, I brought her specifically here to minister my love to her tonight. And so can you mind just putting your hands out like it's Christmas? Here we go. Um, God said that you're in a season where he's going to restore hope back to you. And there's a, a grace of intercession that's actually resting on your life. And the enemy through this season has tried to take away your joy and your hope. And the Lord is going to break the power of that. And he's going to restore hope back to you. And you're going to enter into this grace of your place of prayer that you've never known before because of the hand of the Lord being upon you. Also, he talked about a daughter. Do you have a daughter? You don't have a daughter? I'm trying to figure out who this is. I saw a young girl next to you. She had brown hair. And he said something about you having a connection with her and that God was going to use you to influence her to release creativity in her life. Does that make any sense to you? doesn't make any sense to me either, so let me pray for you. So, Holy Spirit, just come with your power. Release that in that situation. You're going to be like a mentor to a lot of people. Uh, You're entering a season that you've not ever experienced before where you've been patient. You've been asking the Lord, when is it time? And the Lord is saying, it is now. He has not forgotten you, and he's going to use you just like he's promised to use you. So, I just command the blessing of the Lord upon you right now. 
In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you. All right, next one is this. Uh, this is for all of you guys. I thought it was kind of interesting the way God said it. So each one of us have gone through this last couple of months with different views of things. So the Lord told me this. He said, I have not forgotten the vision that I've promised you, that I've made to you, even though there has been a shaking, it has not negated my promise to you. And God is going to, he actually put it to me this way. All the shaking he's doing right now is to bring you guys into the next season of a promise that he's given you. And so would you guys agree with me on, with the Lord about that? Lord, when things are being shaken, it, it diminishes our ability to see, restore our sight. Let us see, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Someone here has pain in their right hip, would you stand? Lord wants to minister to you. Pain in your right hip. So sorry you have that. Just put your hands on your hip real quick. So I'm just going to model what I said to you guys. You can watch the person or you can just kind of watch me, but it's like this. Holy Spirit, come and bring your power. Just bring your power. Bring your presence. In the name of Jesus. I break the power of inflammation and pain. I command it to leave right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I ask, Lord, that you would grab their hip and that you would pull it back into a place of restoration right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. More, more power. More of your presence, Lord. We just bless your name. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you. you may be seated. All right, let's, let's get through the rest of these because I'm running out of time here. If you have sinus dripping or sinus pain, would you stand the Lord like to minister to you? Sinus dripping or sinus pain? He was pretty excited about that. So if you have post-nasal drip or any of that kind of stuff or you, it causes you to have pain like headaches, please stand the Lord wants to minister to you. I, I'm really sorry that you guys are dealing with that. Can you just kind of put your hands just like right here? Just touch your sinuses real quick. Holy Spirit, release your power and your presence right now. Yeah. I command the inflammation and pain to leave right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I ask the Lord that you're, you would restore them. Restore them, Lord. Bring life to them. Yeah, I really don't care what has been spoken over them by people in authority. I break the power of that right now. I ask that you would restore them in the name of Jesus. Any of this stuff that this is just the way it is or this is the weakness in their body, I break the power of that right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, you may be seated. All right, this is going to be fun. I had a person... The way the Lord showed it to me, it was someone's last name, but I think it might be someone's first name, Parker. And they may not be here. They might be here. Parker. I'm going to just pray it. It might be someone that's listening or watching. 
No, as a person, that was cute, JR. I'm gonna tackle you here in a minute. Okay, so, that, that was cute. Um, so Parker, the Lord wanted me to tell you that you've gone through a season of hopefulness. The Lord is gonna restore your joy. So Holy Spirit, come to Parker. Release your power and your presence to him. Restore their joy. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. All right, this is the last one. Now, this one, the way the Lord does this stuff. Um, someone has a trailer or a camper. That's the only way I saw it. And they had a rainbow in the window. Is anyone here like that? Has a rainbow in there. It's a decal of a, or like something that's put on a, I saw it on a window and it was a rainbow. Is that, anyone here have something like that in a camper or a trailer? <laughs> Sorry. All right. Whoever this is for, God has spoken to you about this rainbow and about how faithful he is to you. He used that as a sign. You put it in your window because you were grateful for God's goodness as it represented the rainbow. And he wanted me to tell you what he has spoken to you, he is going to do for you. So Lord, whoever that is, Maybe they might remember this later or they're watching this. Bless them with it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. All right, I'm going to wrap up. Extend your hands like you're receiving a gift, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and empower you. Holy Spirit, come. Bring your power. Bring your power, Lord. Now, the level of power that needs to be released to do miracles, release it upon these people now. Shake us off the pattern of the world and bring back the adventure of the kingdom to us, Lord. Free them. Let them walk in your victory. I command the blessing of the Lord upon you right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God.